It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipit.tv. Michael Kiss. Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hand. And Benjamin Solak. I know it's a big night when he asked for honey. He said he wants honey. It's the Kiss and Solak Show. I mean, I love those guys. Right here on BGN Radio. You are flying high on the Kissed and Solak Show. This is episode 29, brought to you by the fine folks at BGN Radio. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow my work for InsideThePylon.com. Follow me on BleedingGreenNation.com. Also follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL. As always, I am joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Seven Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak of Bleeding Green Nation. And NDTScouting.com is where you can find his excellent draft work. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, getting close, man. How you doing, brother? Oh, every day is a good day to be alive. Days that involve midterm papers <laughs> when you want to be prepping for the NFL draft are not as good as the typical day, I will admit. Yeah. That being said, uh, no, it's a fantastic day. Very excited. It's it's This is Christmas week, man. This is We've been listening to the carols. All right, we've done like the calendar. It's got chocolate in every single day or whatever. We've been receiving presents from our grandmas and our grandpas and our aunts and our uncles now for, you know, weeks at this point. Everything is set in stone. We've got, we've made our last minute purchases and now it's just waiting for the freaking day to come. Yeah. And so it's, it's going to be an arduous 96 hours, but I'm very excited, my man. All right, do you suffer? I wanted to ask you this before we get into the meat and potatoes of the show, mm-hmm. which is going to be some over unders for the draft. So we're going to be picking them, and we are going to throw it to you, gentle listeners. Make you so much money. <laughs> so we're going to make you money, and we're also going to bring you into the process and let us know ideas about what we can wager as far as who gets more right, who gets more wrong, what the other person has to do that loses. In this case, it's likely going to be Benjamin. Can't Solak. think. Oh, calm down. We can't think of anything devious enough bad enough <laughs> to ourselves like like everything that we're thinking of is like this is not this is not enough this is not enough of a punishment for failing to know arbitrary things about the nfl draft <laughs> and so 
we're turning to you because this seems like a good idea somehow yeah. <laughs> to decide what we should do. Yeah. Uh, check me out at Michael Kist NFL on Twitter. I'll have the tweet up before this show goes up. So the, the, the best idea, jeez, wow, uh, I'm already kind of dreading it. This is, this is going to be bad. But okay, before we get into that topic, the over-unders, I wanted to ask you, Ben, because you're such a, hey, a cheery person with a, with a positive Chipper. disposition on life. Again, seven-year streak without a bad day. Uh, that's very impressive. I'm working on about two weeks right now. However, it's... <laughs> Strong start, man. <laughs> the draft is really... The draft coverage is really starting to test that, that two-week streak that I got going on. Do you suffer from draft fatigue at all? You don't seem like you would. doesn't even hassle me. And I was, it was funny. I was asked this question. I went on Locked on Dolphins with Travis Wingfield. He's a good guy. And he asked me this because he was kind of experiencing draft fatigue. And I simply said, I really don't care too much about being right mm. which like sounds really bad for a, like a draft analyst that sounds <laughs> awful but the thing is when 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 you work on the draft for a team then your objective personally is to be correct on your evaluations but it only serves a larger objective which is the team does well the team wins championship the team gets good players and so if i think a guy's right and everybody else thinks that or if i think a guy is bad and everybody else thinks that he's good, well, we reconcile this ideal, and eventually we come to a consensus for the good of the team. And then if I was personally right, that's great. But if we didn't draft him, or if we did draft him and he was bad, right. my, my victory meant nothing. When you scout in the media, there's no team. And as a result, we oftentimes get very, very entrenched on being right. And the most important thing for us is to be right, and for everybody else to know that we're right, and for us to find the wrong people and make fun of them, because that way everyone will know that we're right. <laughs> and this is where we get into like, you know, stone throwing, and we just get yeah. petty. And so for me, it, it, you know, I would much rather enjoy covering the draft than be right all the time. Right. Or at least convince myself that I'm right all the time and convince others that I'm right all the time because I'm not. And so I, you know, I see like a stupid opinion and like I might provide facts to the, the contrary. And of course, stupid by my evaluation, right. you know, by my opinion. I might provide facts to the contrary. I might provide an opposing narrative, but I am never going to get into a debate with people because there's there's nothing positive for me there it's just it doesn't interest me so no man i'm as jazzed as ever especially like nfl network starts airing the old drafts and your boy's getting hype your boy's getting hype mike i'm very excited yeah and that's the interesting part about it too because i'm kind of like that too where i really enjoy the process leading up to the draft just from doing the evaluation watching the tape finding people that you really like and would pound the table for all of that is fun to me like all of that, the technical aspect of the evaluation process is fun for me. And like you said, with the rankings, I'm not going to engage in some sort of debate. Uh, how many opinions have been changed on Twitter with someone that disagree with you? Right. There, there are certain people that are going to be open to it, but uh, I guarantee you 99% of the time, the opinion is not going to change. People are going to have bad opinions or at least what we think are bad opinions. You say your piece and, and, and then you move on. People get so upset. And, and the point that you made, for instance, I was watching the 2011 draft and I said on Twitter, take a look at the people being drafted right now. Look at the names being called. Now, think about their careers, all of their careers to this point. Why would you be upset at someone else's rankings when the league is half wrong half the time anyway? So just because someone doesn't have a conventional board doesn't mean that they're going to be wrong. They may be more right than the league because the re- the league is wrong yeah. a lot. <laughs> I will say like my number one source of draft fatigue, that which I which I do experience, will be when we hear these rumors. Like I was just told that Deshaun Hand from Alabama is probably going top 100. Oh my God. Right. And here's the thing. Here's the thing about Deshaun Hand's tape. 
and I'm going to whisper this because Deshaun Hand could kill me with one finger. <laughs> it's really bad. It's like, terrible. it's just not, it's not good. And there are mitigating circumstances. He was asked to do things that weren't to his skill set, and he's a great athlete, and he had injury issues or whatever. But he doesn't have great tape. He yeah. does not have the tape worthy of a top 100, top 200 player, to be honest with you. The athleticism is going to boost him up. But when the NFL takes these players, my draft fatigue comes from just like hopelessness, where I'm like, all right, nothing we do matters or will ever matter for the history of time. Because every, like, it's always going to be a completely different schema. But then you drop, you, you know, you bounce back from that in two seconds, and you say, yeah, you know, every, uh, uh, raindrops or road stones, whatever kind of metaphor you want. You got to just keep on chugging. Part of it comes from, too, there are 70 players linked to the first round this year. By the end of it, there's going to be 85. There are 150 players that have been linked to round two. Like, it's it gets absurd. And people, I, th- I, f- I feel like the media just throws stuff at the wall to see what sticks and then deletes the rest. And I'm looking straight at you, Cleveland Browns media, with the number one overall pick. Anyway, Ben, I think that's enough on that yes. topic. Let's get to the overs and unders. You've got all the overs and it. unders in, in front of you. I am going to let you lead this show, uh, and I'm going to do my best to get it off the rails. So the challenge is to is to you, good sir, to keep me on, on topic. No, absolutely. And we've got upwards of 20, 25 over-unders. We're going to bang it through. Some of them will be quick because Mike and I will agree. Uh, some of them will be slow because we'll disagree. And those are the ones that are more exciting. And then obviously we will at the end kind of tally things up when the draft is all said and done and see who uh, see who made it, see who won and doesn't have to suffer whatever punishment the loser gets slash gets the victory. We keep framing it as a punishment for the loser. Maybe we should frame it like, hey, what awesome thing does the victor get? But I've looked at these for a solid 10 seconds. Mike has looked at them for like five. We wanted to come in fresh. (laughs) So without further ado, it starts off first round positions. I want to know number of quarterbacks selected in round one over under 5.5. So you got your locks, which are Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, I believe Lamar Jackson is a lock. I'm going to call him a lock. Did I? Uh, who, who else am I missing here? You didn't say Baker. Oh yeah, Baker Mayfield. Boom. He's going to the Jets at three. Lock it. That's your lock of the week. That's your no no free okay. ads. I'm not going to say a betting site, but Baker is going to the Jets. So let's see. That's five. Does Mason Rudolph or Kyle Laletta warrant a first round? No, no, they don't. Now that doesn't mean that the league is not going to necessarily uh, not take them just because they don't belong there. But I feel safe saying that it's going to be five. It'll, it'll be the under. What about you, Ben? Yeah, I'm taking the under as well. Nice. I think that we can very comfortably say that three quarterbacks, Baker, uh, Allen, and Darnold, are locks for the top five. And then even after them, you know, we've talked about a Rosen slide, but I still think Rosen's going to be a top 10 guy. And then Lamar Jackson's going to be a top 15 guy. And to me, that's easy peasy. And then Mason Rudolph, I'm sorry. I don't <laughs> think teams are going to bite. There's too little ceiling too little potential for teams to really bite in round one there's a thing is going to be the deciding factor so moving it on uh running backs selected in round one i think i'm just going off my gut we're going to disagree on this one over under is set at 1.5 michael talk to me yeah there are a lot of rumors and it's not just with you know how much i love darius guys at 32 all that nonsense we've been over it at nauseum can we can we take a 15 second pause to talk about how Shout out to all the people who hit us up on Twitter and say, yo, like you guys have sold us on the idea of Darius Geis and like it's awesome and everything. And I always want to like calmly at these people and be like, listen, I don't think Darius Geis is nearly as good as Mike does. And I don't think the Eagles should draft him at 32. I don't know if that's not clear, but this is all Mike, like 100%. It, it is. And that's how strong my argument has been. And, and I feel really it's just leaked over onto me. Yeah, I ex- love it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you got stuck in the washer with the pen and the pen is Darius Geis in my opinions of him. So let's say if Darius Geis doesn't go, 
I think Sony Sony Michelle goes round one. One of those two is going to go round one, along with Saquon Barkley. I'm going to go with the over here. I think it's max three, but I think it's two. I think two is the number. I think it's uh, one. I think that we've heard, I've heard enough chatter from enough people that I know have ears to the ground that for whatever reason, valid or otherwise, teams have issues with Darius guys. Mm. So there's that number one. And then for Philadelphia to be looking at now, I would say three of the four consensus next tier guys behind Barkley, right? indicates to me that they would prefer taking a running back in the top of round two, trading back five or six spots. And we talked about on a previous episode, I think it was like 25, Mm -hmm. how many running back needy teams are behind Philly. Yeah. And how many of those teams could cause a problem. So maybe the Eagles want to stay at 32. But to me, you trade back three or four spots into there because those teams, the reason they're at the top of round two is that they're booty cheeks and they have a ton of needs everywhere. Like the Colts need a running back, but the Colts also need every position under the sun. And so I don't think they'll be taking a running back round two, you know. So to me, it's Barkley. And then we start to hear chatter about guys about Michelle at the end of the first, but I don't think they make it in. And I think that we see a big run on a thicket. Ronald Jones, Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle, Darius guys. I think we see a big run on them in the top of round two. So I'm going under uh, 1.5. So there it is. That's our first big old disagreement. Next up, number of wide receivers selected in round one. Uh, The over-under here, surprised me when I saw the number. It said at 2.5. What do you think? That's interesting because I think Calvin Ridley, and there's rumors that Cortland Sutton is going to be the first wide receiver off the board before Ridley. However, a lot I think a lot of teams have Ridley as wide receiver one. And then your wild card is DJ Moore and DJ Chark, the two DJs. Not that Chark should go round mm-hmm. one. I don't think he should, but you know, the NFL. I'm going to go under. I'm going to go under. I think it's only Sutton and Ridley that go in round one. I think DJ Moore could definitely go round one, should go round one. You get to the team like a like a Panthers, if Sutton and Ridley are gone, and at 24, the Panthers on the clock, and they have DJ Moore the way that I like DJ Moore, and with the weapons they don't have for Cam, I don't know what they're doing with that roster, unless a primo yeah. cornerback falls to them, which they also need, because James Bradbury is their only other corner that's out there. Worley was their starter last year, and the Eagles cut right. him, and Bradbury kind of hit a wall last year, so they definitely need a corner. Uh, they can't afford to pass on wide receiver but I think maybe Ridley or Sutton will be there. I'm going to go with the under. Yeah, I would have taken under on 1.5, probably. Just because I don't <laughs> think... It's a similar situation. Yeah. I think that NFL teams are realizing that they can get as good of a hit rate on good wide receivers in day two as they can on day one. And this class is very strong on day two, so teams are going to slow play it. I, that's what I, I firmly yeah. believe. And so, yeah, we're taking the under at 1.5. That's under for both of us. Next up, this one is interesting. More players selected in round one. It's offensive and defensive is the split, but then offensive players at plus 1.5, which is to say that as long as offensive players hit 15 selected, they win the, they win the spread. They cover the spread, right? Cause then it would be 16.5. Defense would have 17, which would be down to 15.5, right? And so as you, we're talking about what's more likely. 15 or more offensive players are drafted or 17 or less defensive players are drafted? Which one are you anticipating? Or excuse me, which one's more likely? 15 or more offensive players or 15 or more defensive players? See, that's interesting because we have a low amount of running backs and wide receivers going around one, but right at the top, I think the first five players selected are going to be offensive players. At least that's the way that I had my mock going. So that's an early lead. You've got a strong interior offensive line class. You're weak at tackle. Oh, man, that's a tough one. 
That's a tough one. Give give yours. I want to right. take a look at my mock and, and run these numbers in my head to buy me some time. What do you think? I respect that. I respect it. Here's how I, I frame this. I, I think comfortably five quarterbacks are going. Boom. Yeah. Done. Right? I think I can lock in three guards for you right now in Quentin Nelson, Isaiah Wynn, and Will Hernandez. I think, boom, I can lock all those up for you. Yeah, I go to the centers, and I think I can lock up at least one for you. Mm-hmm. And that would be James Daniels, from what I'm understanding. Right. So we're already at nine. Then I'm going to go to the offensive tackles, and I'll tell you, I expect at least two to go. Yeah. Right? I expect Mike McGlinchey and Colton Miller, I would say, are Correct. locks. And then you even have guys like Connor Williams and Tyrell Crosby, even Brian O'Neill, or this kid out of Pittsburgh, who's super athletic. At this point now, I'm at 11, and I've already been a little bit low guessing on those offensive linemen. So let's throw in another one. That's 12, right? All I need is 15 offensive players to hit. And if I've got 12 without skill positions... That means I need running backs plus tight ends plus wide receivers to hit three. And I don't think they do it. I don't think that we get three running backs plus wide receivers plus tight ends, which sounds nuts. Yeah. Right? It sounds absurd, but I really don't. And so even with my like slightly conservative offensive line predictions, if you know one extra one sneaks in there, then you only need two between running back, wide receiver, and tight end. And I think we pull that off. To me, it's very close. And I think the line is very true. I will personally take defense. I'm going to take defense minus 1.5. That's that's the one that I'm going for. I'm going to go with you. I, I looked at mine. It was an even 16-16, but I think that the, the defense is stronger as the move, as the draft moves on throughout that first round after the run on quarterbacks. I'm with you on that. So, yeah, we'll, we'll both right. take defense on that. I know that's not fun for the uh, for the argument's sake, uh, and we've only disagreed one time so far, but we got a lot of these going, so I'm sure we'll find – I already see one that we're going to disagree on. Keep going, Ben. <laughs> yeah, no, so we, we both take the D on that one. That's how that goes. And then, yeah, really fun one for the Eagles. This is not even like one I made up for the Eagles. This is just a sports book one. Last player selected in the first round. And that, of course, would be Philadelphia's pick if they hang on to it. Offensive or defensive. Right now, it's a slightly better odd for offensive. Or uh, Yeah, it's a slightly better odd. Minus 110 for offense. Minus 130 for defense. Not that we're actually putting money down. We'll just, you know, take it straight. What are you thinking, Mike? You cannot move me or have me jinx or say anything otherwise. You know exactly where I'm going. Put it down. Darius, yeah. guys, it's offense. I will take... Oh, I'm just going to take defense. Whatever. Screw this. So what, like a nickel corner? <laughs> right as far as like the defensive players they could potentially take i think linebacker is there and then yep. i think they've looked a lot into back into the first round cornerbacks yep. and i think that's interesting and I then agree. offensively the only guys who they've really sat down with who i think they're very serious about at potentially 32 darius guys you know ronald jones maybe sonny michelle and then you have connor williams right, right. And so to me if they again me operating off my thought that if they want a running back they want him in 38 and 39 not 32 right then to me if, it, if it's an offensive player they're more likely to move back defensive they're more likely to make the pick i'm just basically being contrarian it's fine top three players will all be quarterbacks mike <sighs> And heavily, heavily favored here, minus 105, yes, and then minus 135, no. Again, we're not betting the line. I just like to, you know, talk about how the books are reading it so far. Top three picks are all quarterbacks. Basically, the question here is, what are the Giants doing? (laughs) And so that's my question to you. It is a colossal mistake to take a running back at number two when you need a quarterback. And they will make that mistake and not trade down. Gettleman has never traded down in his tenure as a general manager. I am hoping and praying that Barkley goes at two, and I'm going to call it. 
Barkley at two. So no, only two quarterbacks in the top three. Ben. If the Giants stay at two and take Saquon Barkley, I will randomly select one listener <laughs> and buy them an Eagles Super Bowl 2018 champion t-shirt. You heard I don't it, even care. Like, I will be so happy if they decide to stay at two in one of the strongest quarterback classes of recent memory with a 38, I think, year old Eli Manning and not take a quarterback. I'll I, A Super Bowl t-shirt promised I will select one 100%. The funny part of that to me is people, Giants fans and Giants fans, if you're listening, I don't know how you got your, you found your way here, but welcome to the show. Welcome to Philly. This is the uh, other side of the pasture. (laughs) This is where the grass is greener. The common response from Giants fans that want Barkley is, oh, you're scared of Barkley. No, no, we're actually so happy that if Barkley went at two, we are going to freely spend money and lavish our listeners with free (laughs) t-shirts. I'm certainly like scared of Barkley as a player. I don't want to face him. But it's the whole picture. But I'd much rather I'd much rather face him behind Eli Manning than like Wayne Gallman and Paul Perkins behind an actual potential quarterback. You know what I mean? Correct. Uh, Right. I'm gonna take yes because while I would be so excited about the Saquon Barkley situation. I personally think, and you said Gettleman hasn't traded behind, and I get that, but he's in a new building now, and so it's an opportunity for a rebirth. And, and right, and and I think that to the extent to which John Mara has a, a a a grab on his ear and can talk to him about what they want for the franchise, I think Mara recognizes it's time to really move on. And so to me, it's a, it's been a big smokescreen. They'd like to move that pick. They'd like to bring in a quarterback. They're going to make a big trade with Buffalo or, or New England or what have you. So I'm going to take yes. It's three quarterbacks at the top. If if this class can't warrant three quarterbacks at the top, I don't even know what's happening. Yeah. Next up, we're going to get into and these should be quick hitters. Draft positions for individual players. Uh, we start with the NC State edge, Bradley Chubb. Over under is set at 4.5. So that would be in between Cleveland's pick at 4 and Indianapolis's select. No, no, no. Denver's selection at 5. Mike, what are you thinking? Yeah, I think Denver moves out of there anyway. Let's see here. I had Bradley Chubb going 6 in my mock. It really, I think it depends on what Cleveland wants to do there. Do they want to trade back? No, I don't think the team would trade up for Barkley. It would be a quarterback, but that would mean Barkley had would have gone 2. I think Barkley goes 2, so maybe a team does trade up at 4 for a quarterback. I'm going to go no. I'm going to go uh, over on on the 4.5 with, with Bradley Chubb for the reasons that I, that I explained. It, it's going to follow a certain way for me or it's not so no hedging in that regard uh, yeah i hear you so i've already got three quarterbacks going so for me the question is basically does bradley chubb go at four right and so we're asking what decision do john dorsey and the minds in cleveland make uh with the entire board except for like quarterbacks because they've already selected one available to them at which case it's like complete stab in the dark i'd like to think they take chubb but i don't think that they do Okay. Uh, I could see, I could certainly see Chubb going at four, but I'm going to take the over as well. I'm going to take Bradley Chubb past four. I think the set, I think Indianapolis at six makes a ton of sense for him. So I like that a lot. Yeah. Next up is Saquon Barkley, who we've discussed. And the over under Mike is set at the exact same spot. People know what they're doing because as you literally just broke down, yeah. that's the kind of, that's kind of the rub here for Chubb. So what do you think is Saquon Barkley over under 4.5? Yeah, I, he either goes at two or I think he goes at four. I think you're safe with, with both of those bets, uh, c- considering the way that the ball's the board's going to fall, uh, just for the reasons that I explained right before that. So I'm going under. Barkley either goes at the second overall or the fourth overall, depending on the way things go. So I'll go under. Yeah, this is lame. I don't want to just like agree. 
But yeah, I think between Barkley and Chubb, I think John Dorsey and the football guys in Cleveland are going to take Barkley at four. And if they've already taken Allen at one, man, oh man, we are in for a show because (laughs) that's probably not going to go well. Okay, next up. (laughs) You guaranteed this pick already, so this is a quick one. Baker Mayfield, uh, the line has it set at over under 6.5. To me, this is the easiest money on the book. And of course, now the line is currently set... Over is plus 190, under is minus 275, so under is the heavy favorite. Uh, but Mike, make your case, Baker Mayfield, under 6.5, I'm assuming. Everything I'm hearing says that he's going to the Jets. And everything else that I'm hearing is if Baker gets past three, then the Miami Dolphins are very interested in moving up to five because they love Baker Mayfield. And everything else that I'm hearing is saying that the Broncos really, really want to get out of five. That's why I think he gets there under the 6.5 for Mayfield, for sure. Yeah, no, I think so. I think Baker Mayfield's a three is one of the safest picks that we've got yeah. locked up as far as the top goes. It's really the only one we know quite well. I didn't mention it earlier, just on the over-under the, the numbers. For Bradley Chubb, over 4.5 is minus 125, and under is minus 115. And so it's pretty even there. But for Barkley, they've got the over at plus 160. And the under is minus 220. Mm. So they really think Barkley's going there. And like you said, he's probably either two or four. Yeah. But it's really, really interesting. Like, I don't know. I would potentially, as like like a frivolous one, take Barkley over 4.5. Simply because you're getting good money back on that, I think. For like, I, I'm very comfortable saying three quarterbacks go top four. Right. And as a result, like that's an interesting bet for me. But that 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 that's Ben's tip of the day. New segment we're introducing. <laughs> Next up, Alabama wide receiver Calvin Ridley. Over under Mike is currently set at the Cowboys pick. That's where they put it. It's 19.5 for Calvin. And right now, uh, it's pretty even odds. Over is, 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 is even, straight money. And then under is minus 140. And so they do think that you are staying under with Calvin. They expect Calvin to go at least to the Cowboys at 19, if not earlier. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think 16 is a good spot for him with the Baltimore Ravens. They also love their uh, Alabama players. I think if he gets to 19, uh, it's been said that the Cowboys, and remember I said earlier that Sutton was rumored to go before Calvin. However, the Cowboys are one of the team that has a second round grade on Cortland Sutton. I would expect him yep. to go within 16 or 19, maybe the Ravens trade back, but then you had the Cowboys as that fall back there. So I'm going to take the under on Ridley going at 19. Oh, I'm, I'm comfortably over on Ridley going at 19. I figured you would be, yeah. You know, I think it's DJ Moore or Calvin to Carolina at 24 hmm. if there's not a corner available. And besides that, I don't even think we see a team sniff a wide receiver. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I mean, like, Baltimore kind of makes sense. But at the same time, Baltimore has mismanaged the wide receiver position to such a degree <laughs> that why should we believe they'll stop now? Right. And then for <laughs> Dallas, I think Dallas is going to look to get people in on that defense, and they're going to try to go wide receiver later. That's what I'm, I'm understanding from that room. So next up is a fun one. Uh, this, to me, is also super easy money, and the book does reflect that. Uh, Lamar Jackson's draft position over-under is set at 21.5. Currently, the under is being heavily betted, minus 225. Over is pl- uh, plus 165. Mike, to me, Baker, honestly, this one's probably better money than Baker. I would smash the under yeah. 10 out of 10 times. Teams need quarterbacks. Lamar is a good quarterback. And even if there are teams that don't think Lamar is a good quarterback, we just need one QB needy team to draft him. And if they're going to do it, they're going to try to do it way before 21 because they're going to be nervous that he goes. So to me, this is uh, is a no-brainer. I don't know about you. Understand that we are talking about Mason Rudolph potentially being a first-round quarterback. Right. In that world that we live in, Lamar Jackson should be 
a top 10 pick. He might not be a top 10 pick at, at, when it's all said and done with, but he's definitely going higher than tw- at 21 and a half. I'm going to go under if we're talking about Mason Rudolph being a first round pick. I'll, I'll take there are enough QB needy teams out there. He is a talented enough player, so I'm going to take the under. Yep, I think it's an easy one. And now this one, uh, I've affectionately named the Michael Kiss prop bet. <laughs> Is this actually how it's referred to in the streets of Vegas? There's a reason this bet exists. Darius Geis. Don't know if you've heard of him, listeners. Running back out of LSU. (laughs) Underrated, underappreciated, underdiscussed prospect. (laughs) Darius Geis over under is set at 32.5, which is sitting right on top of Philly's pick. Currently, the under is winning. uh, Minus 200. Money's been on the under. Over is plus 150. I think already given our previous discussions, we know how this one's going to go down. But Mike, one more time, make make the case for Darius. I am so happy that because I think this line would have been at around 34 and a half, 35 and a half. If Ben, you didn't do such a good job of hyping up Darius guys. And that's why I think because you've said all along that Darius guys is going to the Eagles at 32. I'm bought in. I've bought in on the idea. Uh, I like the fit. I think he's going to be great for Philadelphia. I'm going to smash the under. Let me tell you what's going to happen. About 30 minutes before the the Eagles' 30-second pick starts. Oh, boy. I'm just going to change my profile picture on Twitter to Darius Guys. <laughs> and I'm going to I'm gonna make my banner him stiff-arming that old Miss kid or something, yeah. right? Just like an awful, or the Notre awful Dame kid. Yeah. picture. Just like him terrorizing somebody. And then I'm just going to flood the timeline with like, yo, Darius Guys, man, at 32 is what it's always been. <laughs> I've been saying this on BGN Radio the whole time, man. It's been on me. Yeah, Darius, guys, uh, I'm taking the over. I don't think he's going in the first. Mike does. And pretty much, like, we've now bet on pretty much that one issue, like, three different times. (laughs) So his position is going to, like, make or break this entire contest. But it's fine. Darius, guys, does make or break the draft for me. That's the way it is. That's the the way it is. If Darius, guys, doesn't go to the Eagles, Mike just stops watching. He doesn't (laughs) even provide any more content. He just goes into hibernation. Unless Jerry Alexander is on the board. But we've talked about that. But, yeah, but before them, I will be very disappointed. And uh, you might not hear from me for a while. Go ahead, Ben. Always a backup plan. But yes, I'm excited about these ones. These ones are fun. Draft positional matchups. Basically, they chuck two names out there, sometimes related, positional, whatever, sometimes otherwise. And we just got to decide who's going first. We got to decide who's off the board first, Mike. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this one because both both of these prospects have been moving around recently as far as what we've heard. Josh Rosen, quarterback out of UCLA, Saquon Barkley, running back out of Penn State. Currently, the odds are dead even. Both are minus 120, so the book does not know. Who's going first, Mike? Rosen should go at two, and the way that I've laid this whole thing out up to this point says that Barkley is going before Rosen. It's ridiculous to me. Rosen is my quarterback one. Uh, I think offensive coordinators and coaches alike are scared of the intelligence of Rosen and would not like to be questioned and not be the smartest person in the room at the offense that they're running. Uh, I think that concerns them. And I think that's why Rosen falls or is one of the reasons that Rosen falls. Uh, so I'm going to go with Barkley. Yeah, I, I'm i going to go the other way. I'm going to take Rosen because to me, the trade up at two is right. for Rosen. Yeah. And even though we've heard, right, we've heard conversations, oh, Rosen might slide. The reason Rosen might slide is because we have, we know who the quarterback options are at one for the Browns. And it, from right now, it's Allen and Darnold. And we've heard a little bit of Mayfield rumorings, but to me, those aren't legit. And then at three, we know the Jets have Mayfield. And then four is Cleveland, not going to take a quarterback. And then five is Denver, who at some point it was, oh, Denver might take a quarterback. But from now, what we understand is Denver's looking to heavily move back. 
They're very serious in that. And so to that issue, Rosen's slide is predicated on him not going at two because we can kind of fill out everything else, all the other blanks. To me, I think Buffalo's there at two for Rosen. I think New England is there at two for Rosen. I mm. think even if it's not, I think once we start getting to five and Denver's trying to move back, then I think Buffalo and New England are on the phones again, maybe even Miami, right? And so then maybe Barkley does go two to the Giants, God willing. But I think that Rosen isn't going to slide as far as we think because trade-ups are going to shake up yeah. the entire situation. So to me, I'm taking Rosen. I think that he makes it before Barkley. But that's definitely, it's, it's, that's an appropriately tough one. Next one, I think, is much easier. Yeah. Cortland Sutton, wide receiver out of SMU. Calvin Ridley, wide receiver out of Bama. Uh, and currently, yeah, Ridley's the heavy favorite. Minus 390 for Ridley. Minus, uh, plus 260 for Cortland Sutton. Mike, we know that, that these are two very different players at the position. Mm-hmm. Ridley is, is the image of polish, the image of, of ready to start day one. Sutton is a guy who's been improving, but there's definitely still rough edges to sand out. Who's going first? Yeah, I have Ridley going under... 19 and a half. I took the under on that. I don't think two wide receivers go in the top 20. So I'm going to, I'm going to stick with Ridley on that basically for that reason. I don't think teams are as in love with Sutton as, uh, as Ridley is more the consensus number one. So he may take, take a little bit of a slide, maybe down to 24, maybe a little bit after that. Maybe someone trades back into the first round to get him or whatever the case is. I think Ridley's going first. Yeah. I think Ridley's gone first too. I'm a little less confident on that one as you are. And certainly we do know of a couple teams, Cowboys included, who do not have first round grades on Sutton. And we know Ridley is a guy who's, widely considered to be at least a back half of the first round possibility uh and even though i'm really interested in Sutton's developmental upside and i think at the end of the day he may pan out to be a better prospect there's more risk there yeah and i think ridley's a guy you feel very comfortable about (laughs) so i'm taking ridley he's gonna be my guy next one is is a lot more competitive same position but it's Minka Fitzpatrick out of Alabama, Derwin James out of Florida State. We're talking safeties this time. Even odds on Minka Fitzpatrick, minus 140 for Derwin. And so right now, it's Derwin who has the slight lead. Mm. Derwin, who the, the books are expecting. What do you think, Mike? Uh, Derwin, I think, has the more salivating athletic profile. I think Minka Fitzpatrick is one of the smartest doggone football players to come out uh, uh, in, in a while. Uh, you don't become Nick Saban's son without being extremely extremely intelligent and, and Mika is that yeah uh, I think he's a truly impressive individual I trust his tape more than I trust Derwin's I thought Derwin while uh, again salivating athletic profile can cover can come down uh, into the slot he can knock left tackles on their butt uh, there was a little bit there that that had me concerned it, it, the motor wasn't always running hot uh, I think Mika is someone you put into your defense and he plays for you no matter where you put him He's going he's gonna to give you a solid 12 to 15 years at a very high level. I think he's got a very high floor. Uh, that's attractive to me. So I'm going to go with uh, Mika going first. Maybe that's personal preference, but I think Derwin might slide and might slide all the way down to 17 to the San Diego Chargers. We've heard slide rumors from both of these guys, which right. is definitely what makes things a little bit interesting. But I'm taking Derwin. And it's because, number one, athletic profile, I'm going to trust that to entice people in a big way. Number two, there's a much wider perception, and it's much more frequently talked about, that Minka maybe can't cover than it is spoken about with Derwin, which I think, because I have Minka rated higher. Yeah. I think that they're relatively equal cover guys, if not Minka's better. But I think that it's perceived as Derwin, who's a better man-to-man guy, uh, and not as much a zone guy, who's got a better athletic profile. Mm-hmm. To me, he's the guy who teams trust in to cover, and coverage is going to kind of make or break the situation there. When I look at places we could try to fit these safeties, and to me, we talk about San Francisco at nine, 
Oakland at 10, maybe even Miami at 11, but yeah. probably not. Washington at 13. Yep. I mean, like Oakland strikes me as a super Derwin Jamesy sort of a team. Yeah. Washington strikes me as a very Derwin Jamesy sort of a situation. I'm taking Derwin. Like you, I have Minka higher, but I'm going to take Derwin. I don't, I don't like it, but that's the way it's going to be. This one, it should take two seconds. Mike, who's going first? Lamar Jackson or Mason Rudolph? Lamar, stop. Lamar, stop NFL that this is even a question. Please stop. Stop what you're doing Listen, now. <laughs> easy money. Easy, easy money. No way. If Mason Rudolph goes before Lamar Jackson, we riot. All right, next up. <laughs> this one's like frustrating to me. Yeah. Quentin Nelson, guard out of Notre Dame. Bradley Chubb, edge out of NC State. Right now, Chubb minus 320. Quentin Nelson plus 220. So everyone's thinking it's going to be Chubb. Mike, do we disagree? I don't think we disagree with the people here. It's a premium position. I think he's the number one edge on a lot of people's boards. Nelson, uh, all love to him, is the best tape from a prospect that I have ever witnessed in my years doing this. He should go higher at, at just as far as where he's actually going to be drafted. But I think I think Chubb goes. I think Chubb goes first. I think he gets drafted first. When we're talking about guys that early. It's just about looking at the teams and seeing what's possibly going to happen. And when I try to find spots for Quentin Nelson in the top 10, really, I've got to get to Denver at five. And we know Denver's really trying to move back. I could say New York at two, but I don't think that's happening from what we've heard. And then Indianapolis at six for Quentin Nelson. So really five, six, six probably being the earliest because I think Denver's trying to leave. Uh, that I could see Nelson going, and then I could see Chubb going at two. I could see Chubb going at four. I could see Chubb going at five, and exactly. I could see Chubb going at six. So many places, right? So that that's what it comes down to. Just because it's edge is 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 what the you know kind of the the rub of the matter is. Next up, this is a good one: Roquan Smith, Tremaine Edmonds, both linebackers. Roquan, the dog out of Georgia. Tremaine Edmonds, young man out of Virginia Tech. Currently, Tremaine is the slight favorite, even odds for Tremaine. Minus, or excuse me, excuse me. Roquan is the slight favorite, minus one forty for Roquan, and Tremaine is at even odds. I don't even, I like, I don't know how I feel about this one yet. I'm gonna hear your explanation, and then I'm gonna decide how I feel. So, Mike, take it away. I think it comes down to Chicago and maybe San Fran and Oakland, like that eight to ten spot. So, if I, th- I think Roquan could go at eight. Same thing with Edmonds. It would not surprise me, depending on how the board falls. I know San Francisco, their one A is Mika Fitzpatrick. Their one B is Roquan Smith. Uh, and then at 10, Oakland is in need, uh, in need of, a, of a linebacker, and it could be Roquan Smith if he's gone. I think, I think it's Tremaine Edmonds. It would not surprise me if either Chicago or Oakland took Tremaine Edmonds in front of Roquan Smith. However, I feel a lot of teams, I feel the consensus is, despite the buzzword upside of Tremaine Edmonds, that their linebacker one is going to be Roquan Smith. And I feel confident, somewhat confident, that he's going to go before Edmonds. So I'm going to go with Roquan. Yeah, I'm going to take Tremaine. <laughs> I think that, no, so I like going second because I like disagreeing because it just makes things more interesting, you know, from a from a betting perspective yeah. or whatever. But I think that Tremaine to eight to Chicago is a pick that I want That's so I badly. Yeah, I worry right? about that one. And I could, Harold Landry can make sense there as well, and I would get it. But I think Tremaine makes so much sense for what like a Vic Fangio defense is. Like Tremaine sure. is such an interest, such a fun fit there. And then overall, Roquan, uh, we've heard slightly whispers that Leighton Vander Esch is even like among these top two. Like it's like a top three on some teams board with the linebacker out of Boise. And that of the three, the one kind of left out, the one who's kind of, you know, on the outside looking in is Roquan. Because Vander Esch and Tremaine, the thought in the league is that these guys can play all three positions. They can give you coverage ability on bigger tight ends. Whereas Roquan, who's so good at what he's good at, 
maybe isn't necessarily as much of a move piece who can do different things. And honestly, like tape wise, yeah, it's a hair's difference. Athletic profile size wise is, I think, where teams get a little bit, you know, that that, that delta becomes a little bigger. So I'm, I, I've remained slightly higher on my board. I think both of them make a ton of sense in the top 10. I think they're both going to be great players. I'm going to take Tremaine because I think, and I've been betting on it this entire time, athletic profile makes a big difference for teams. Last one of this type, Mike, and then we get into the huge, big, important tiebreakers, the ones that are complete stabs in the dark. Marcus Davenport, Edge, University of Texas, San Antonio, Vita Vea, defensive tackle out of Washington. I have no idea why this pairing is one. Like, I don't so get weird. it. <laughs> right. Uh, but Marcus Davenport is currently minus 150. Vita Vea is currently plus 110. I don't know about you, like... These guys are so independent of one another. I don't even really know how to suss this one out. Do you, do you have any thoughts? Uh, no, uh, other than I think Vita, Vita Vea is much higher on my board than Marcus Davenport, who is far from a finished product. Uh, Vea still has technical deficiencies, but he makes up for it just because he's an absolute freaking animal. Yeah, I mean, I think Vea has got enough pass rush juice to his game to not fall as a defensive tackle that's gonna that won't have to come off the field on third down. I think that's extremely important. Uh, lately, you're seeing guys like uh, who, who was it that got traded for a fifth round pick? He, Danny Shelton got traded for a fifth round pick. He was a first round pick. Yeah. Fantastic two down defender or even a one down defender, depending on how you see the the different ratios of pa- pass first right. run, but doesn't have enough juice to stay on the field that, that those people are going to fall. I think Vea has enough. I'm going to go with Vea. Uh, God, if Davenport goes before him, someone is making a uh, a poor choice or has a roster set up to build him for the long term. It would have to be somewhere where like Tennessee, where I feel comfortable with Davenport because that would be a good setup. You got two guys there that are on their way out, but it buys him a year to develop behind right. them. Yeah, I like that. I want to take Davenport just like because obviously same thing as always, but I'm going to take Via and here's why. Because I think Maurice Hurst out of Michigan falls out of the first. Yep, right. And I think it's a combination of size concerns and then the heart murmur issue that was uncovered. Yep. Well, rediscovered, re-highlighted at the combine. That narrows out the top of the defensive tackle class. Now we're talking about Taven Bryan, Deron Payne, right. and Vita Vea. And I think that just one more body outside of that class makes it a little more likely. Who do you who, Real quick, who do you think falls? Uh, who do you think goes first? Mo Hurst or Taven Bryan? Because Taven Bryan's got some juice and some pass rush upside that you can work with that's uh. really appealing let's let's make are that we just, one are we just making this one up right now yes yes we are all right i'm taking taven i think taven 226 at atlanta has a ton of heat to it and i think like i said maurice hurst falls out of the first round and when you look at guys who typically it's like you know you have your Mel kuypers and your Todd mcshays who've been listening to nfl teams forever and like for this entire cycle, and that's why you get like crazy picks that seem to make no sense in like January. Right. And then you have guys who talk about, uh, you know, who they like and they watch their own players. And then as we get closer to the draft, their boards start to shift and they start to see guys rise and fall based on what they're hearing. Mike Mayock is a great example. And Mohurst is out of his first round mock and he's right. out of his top five defensive tackles. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's a big sign that Hurst is not a team. There's not a lot of teams who, went, who would take him in the first. Yeah. So I'll take Brian. Yeah, I think that's smart. Uh, I agree with that. However, because we just slammed this in there as a new one, I feel obligated to disagree with you. Oh, good deal. And I'm going to root for Maurice Hurst to go in the first because I think he deserves it based on his play. No, I love that. And I agree with that. Okay, last one. This is the one. This is for all the marbles. If we come into this one tied, which Mm -hmm. I don't even know if it's an even number before it or whatever, but 
This one matters more than all the other ones, somehow, mathematically. Don't ask me the formula. Mr. Irrelevant, pick number 256, Michael. The most important player in the world. I don't think a single pick 256 has ever been a good player ever, but it's fine. <laughs> this is the year. Root for the underdog. Is he offense or is he defense? And uh, included in this prop bet is the consideration that kickers are offense and punters are defense because that matters at this point in the draft. Yeah. I will take the opposite of whatever you take because this is such an important one. So all of the power is in your hands, Mike. Who's going at 256, an offensive or a defensive player? I've actually been researching this pick for a long time. As, as I expected. Yes, it, it's right in my wheelhouse. I've done a lot of research on, on the trends and, and what I've analytics. found. Through my, through my analytics, through my yeah. deep analytics, my Mr. Relevant analytics, is that you are looking for someone when you pick at 250, whatever it is, uh, you are looking for someone that can possibly provide you or you're trying to sneak into that, that priority free agent. You're trying to get him on board and you're betting on his athletic upside. Uh, I don't care. Offense. Let's go offense. I'll go offense. (laughs) I love how that was a serious explanation for like 20 seconds. And then you recognize that there was literally nowhere for it to go. Like nothing. There's no correlation. Nothing happens. (laughs) Nothing is real. Okay. I'm taking defense, which I'm psyched about because of reasons that are I will reveal later. Uh, It's beyond your pay grade. It's behind the paywall. Subscribe to Patreon and you'll know why. Defense is going to be the pick at 256. You got a whole 30 okay, minute video this was on the, it. This was the Prop Bets episode here for the NFL Draft. We hit this up on uh, Sunday, is the day we're recording. Obviously, the draft begins on Thursday, and so maybe there's going to be new info that screws with these, but they are set in stone. They are final. To reiterate, uh, we did about 30 of these. The ones on which we disagree, of which there are, I believe, eight. Uh, running backs round one, I have less than 1.5. Mike has more. Last player selected in the first round, Mike thinks it's offense because he thinks it's guys. I think it's defense because <laughs> nope. Top three picks, all quarterbacks. Mike thinks no. I think yes. There's a trade up at two. Calvin Ridley, Mike thinks he's going before 19.5. I think he's afterwards. Darius Geis, Mike thinks he's before 32.5. I think he is afterwards. Then we got into the player comparisons. On four, we disagreed. I think Rosen's going before Barkley, and Mike disagrees. I think Derwin James is going before Minka Fitzpatrick. Mike disagrees. I think Tremaine Edmonds goes before Roquan Smith, and Mike disagrees. And finally, the one we made up for fun. I expect Taven Bryan to go before Mo Hurst, and Mike thinks it will be flipped. Thank you so much, as always, for listening to the Kissed and Solak show. We're very excited. On Wednesday, it will be the big-time draft primer. We'll be able to, you know, spit off some hot takes, make some bold predictions, update you on all the rumor mill, everything that we're hearing as we get closer and closer. Of course, it'll be dropped the day before the draft. And as long as you're following us on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak, at Michael Kist NFL, you'll be able to catch on everything we hear live as it's going down. Of course, a BGN Radio will be at Chickies and Pete's for the first day of the NFL draft on Thursday. For more information, make sure you go to bgnradio.com. Uh, hang out with us. Mike and I will be able to provide some analysis from our remote locations, wishing we could be there with you guys. And of course, during all of draft weekend, we'll be pumping out content like there's no tomorrow it is christmas like i said but that's it for us thank you so much for listening we all we got we all we need fly eagles fly